This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. This show is going to be super fascinating. Uh, a lot of talk with Rideshare here in Vancouver, uh, with companies like Uber and Lyft. When will they come? Will they ever come? We were down in Las Vegas uh, this past week uh, for the Consumer Electronics Show, and we had a an awesome chance to talk to the folks over at Intel and uh, their division, or sorry, their company called Mobileye, about the future of autonomous vehicles and robo-taxis. And I encourage you to listen to this program because there is some interesting information about the technology and when of all these things are going to come to fruition. Will it even matter about taxi companies and Uber and Lyft in the future? Absolutely. I mean, it, it has the potential to really change how we think about how those companies should should evolve. Um, and hopefully those companies are actually already thinking about this potential outcome. Uh, and if they haven't, then they might be looking for some other line of work. Yeah, and uh, we're uh, gonna be talking with one of the mobile, Mobileye folks. And uh, you know, I've been asking for years, when are the self-driving cars coming? Like the true autonomous vehicles? Well, he'll actually break that all down because they're one of the uh, forefront leaders in this uh, technology field right now. Uh, let's cut to the interview uh, we did last week. You're live with Get Connected down in Las Vegas CES 2020. I've got uh, a really interesting guest with me today, and we're going to be talking about autonomous uh, vehicles. And I think this is going to be an interesting show because we're going to dedicate the entire program to it. And it's going to be interesting because uh, in Canada, and especially in Vancouver, uh, transportation is a very important issue. We're seeing advancements in car technology. Uh, I think we all dream of having autonomous cars, uh, but there's other factors in play as well. We've got uh, car sharing, we have ride sharing or ride hailing, which we still haven't seen in Vancouver. And, you know, with the advancements with uh, autonomous vehicles, will that even matter in the next five years? With me today, I've got uh, JJ from Mobileye. They are actually an Intel company. Uh, JJ, you're out of uh, Jerusalem. Thanks for joining us. You're welcome. Uh, so Mobileye, uh, that was an independent company before. When did Intel uh, come into the picture for you guys? So in 2017, um, we uh, joined the Intel family, and uh, you know we started our business uh, from computer vision-based ADAS, advanced driver assistance systems, uh, both in the aftermarket as well as you know delivering to automotive manufacturers our technology, and we are now the market leader in the space. So your background, you came from Mercedes before, so you know cars. Yeah, I've been 20 years with Mercedes, I've worked for Apple, and I've worked for a Volkswagen group with the 12 brands like Porsche, uh, Audi, and uh, Volkswagen. And uh, yeah, I've been in automotive and in the tech industry, so I'm now back in the tech industry. So, you know, when a lot of people think of autonomous uh, vehicles, uh, you know, Tesla is one of the brands that comes to, to mind because they keep claiming that they're going to have autonomous cars very, very soon. But, you know, what are we looking at for, you know, more of a wide rollout of true autonomous vehicles that, you know, you and I could go in and purchase? Yes. So uh, we have, in fact, uh, announced publicly that uh, we will have our first mobility as a service, uh, meaning ride hailing with self-driving vehicles uh, launch in 2022 in Tel Aviv in Israel. Uh, that's in a partnership with uh, Volkswagen Group uh, using uh, Volkswagen uh, EVs uh, for that. But we have also um, you know, already started other partnerships, uh, for example, with RATP in France and the city of Paris. Also around that time frame, we'll actually start this year the testing and validation. 
and we have just announced here at CES, these are kind of world news, um, a uh, partnership with Daegu City in South Korea, the third largest metropolitan area, with the same target, basically starting testing and validation this year, and then launching the fleet without safety driver in a real, uh, let's say, kind of uh, right-hailing um, uh, mode, uh, also towards the end of 22. So you were in charge of the, I guess, I'm going to call it robo-taxi uh, business uh, with uh, Mobileye. Before we get to that, which is fascinating, uh, uh, and I'm excited to be talking about it, uh, just let's talk about Mobileye and the technology itself. What's yeah. all involved? I mean, you guys have basically a chip that kind of controls everything, but there's a number of other components uh, that we need to put into cars to make them autonomous. Yes. Yeah, it's a very good question, and that's uh, actually uh, kind of our core business. So uh, you can imagine we need multiple of our IQ uh, chips. Uh, IQ5 is the latest generation. Um, so uh, we have actually uh, a, a compute module um, with um, you know about eight uh, to nine of these uh, IQ5 uh, chips. So we use. Uh, up to six for the main computer vision um, algorithms and, and then we have another two to three for the fail operational including the radar and lidar uh, processing so what you basically need is a brain which is the compute uh, yeah. module uh, with these eight to nine IQ5 chipsets including the redundancy then you need uh, cameras. We have 12 cameras around uh, the car. And like video cameras. Yeah, it's like yeah. video cameras. And you can imagine, basically, we as humans drive with our eyes. Yes. We have basically two cameras. Yeah. And now you can imagine we don't have just two cameras, which just look you know, towards the driving direction, but we have actually 12 cameras around the vehicle. And then we have a set of LiDAR sensors, laser sensors, basically, and then a set of radar sensors uh, for redundancy. And that's one of the things where we differentiate ourselves from the competitors because uh, we have something which we call true redundancy by separating the computer vision part. So we basically develop two self-driving systems at the in same, the same time car. In the same car. Got it. So we drive you know, compute completely based on computer vision and we have a second system which drives completely based on uh, LiDAR and radar and that helps us actually getting to a really low, um, you know, um, let's say, likelihood of uh, an, uh, a, a, an error or, or you know, a failure. Uh, so this, the, we call this MTBF, like mean time between failure, which is actually 10 to the power of, 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 of 4 for one subsystem, another 10 to the power of 4 um, for the other subsystem, so that means 10,000 hours. Uh, so only one in 10,000 hours, basically, the is there a pro is there an accident? that there would be some sort of, uh, let's say, a potential uh, for, for an accident. And the same for the other subsystem. Now, you take that together, you are at 100 million. So one in 100 million? One in 100 million. What are humans? We are actually at a much, much lower rate. <laughs> no uh, kidding. So <laughs> uh, you can actually imagine that this is, you know, uh, 100 uh, plus times safer than yeah. humans. And isn't that a challenge, though? Because, you know, when I think of autonomous vehicles, you can't just say that, that the car is just as good as a human driving, because that wouldn't make me feel that safe. Yeah. That's exactly why we do this, uh, you know, we, we have this approach of true redundancy, separating the two subsystems and validating them individually and independent of each other. So uh, we will only bring self-driving vehicles to the market where we have assured and where we have validated that these vehicles, uh, you know, have uh, several orders of magnitude, uh, you know, higher safety level than humans. So, how do we get all the information uh, for the mapping? 
Yeah, so we have actually um, a very large fleet of vehicles out there from about uh, 25 uh, manufacturers, actually. And uh, we have nearly 50 million cars out there which collect data. We get about uh, 4 million miles of data uh, every year, every day. Um, Sorry, every day. Every day. 4 million miles of data every day. 4 million miles of data. And with that, we are actually auto-generating these maps. And... uh, We'll have done, um, you know, uh, Europe very soon, now in 2020, and by the end of this year, actually, uh, overall the U.S. So you're not using third-party maps like Google Maps? No. Your own maps? We are creating our own maps. And actually, these are very specific maps, uh, which you need uh, for self-driving, which also include, for example, where the traffic lights are, and uh, signs, and of course, lane level level navigation, uh, and so on. So these are all important components of the self-driving system, meaning the sensors, the compute, and then these software modules, you know, from the perception part to the path planning, to the decision making, and uh, all the way to the controls, meaning the steering and the braking and acceleration. We're talking with JJ from Mobileye. They're an Intel company developing autonomous driving technology. When we come back from the break, so much more to talk about. We're going to be talking about the whole decision-making process uh, behind it. And uh, again, how many years away before we can actually get our hands on uh, some of these uh, technologies and then these cars. Listen, get connected here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected. We're down in Las Vegas uh, for the CES 2020 show, and I was uh, fortunate enough to run into a very interesting gentleman. His name is JJ. He is with Mobileye, an Intel company, developing very cool autonomous vehicle technology for many car manufacturers uh, around the world and uh, different uh, mobility services uh, as well, like ride-sharing companies. Thanks again for joining us, JJ. so we were talking uh, earlier about uh, some of the autonomous uh, technology with the camera systems um, and the mapping uh, as well, which I find fascinating. You already got uh, you know, close to 50 million vehicles out there mapping uh, as, as we speak. So they're taking all this information in. Uh, what are they basing all the, the, the rules upon? Like how do they know, you know if there's a tricky situation what to do, like yeah. how to avoid an accident? So uh, that's actually another uh, competitive advantage of ours. We have started uh, a few years ago um, actually publishing papers around this responsibility sensitive safety. So meaning, you know, kind of translating what we as humans uh, do, you know, the distance uh, to the, the car in front of us, when we change lanes, how you know, large these gaps are, when we feel it's safe to, to do a lane change. And, you know, generating a formal model out of that and and this is a white paper published by us we have already like uh, several versions revisions of this and you know we want to engage and we are engaging you know regulators and the public in this to actually have a very formal model for safety and that's very important because you could have everyone on the same page don't you yeah i basically i mean um of course we can control what we do with our self-driving vehicles and how they behave but we cannot control you know the other human uh, drivers and we will have a mixed fleet or mixed uh, you know uh, vehicles uh, meaning tri- driven by by humans and driven by the self-driving system and uh, that's why it's actually I- important that you know we can uh, guarantee that our vehicles are always behaving safely well, that's tricky because you look at so many situations in, in traffic and, you know, especially in some of the busier cities, I've seen some of the demos from Jerusalem, you know, I'm thinking New York, I've dr- driven in Rome, that is crazy town there. And, you, and just like, how do you program how aggressive these cars are in like, you know, changing lanes and, and making turns? Like, yeah. I imagine that's a, a whole division in itself trying to figure that out. 
Yeah, that is true. And of course, we have we have you know experts in our uh, R and D uh, division which are working on exactly you know this decision making part and the rules and implementing the RSS model as responsibility sensitive safety formal model for safety. And uh, it's also interesting, actually, what we see is that the culture of driving is different. You know, yes. sometimes like city by city or region or country by country, and we are actually able with that formal model to just you know change some parameters and if the culture of driving is a bit you know more relaxed uh, people drive slower and uh, you know just uh, not so assertive or aggressive in, in yeah. other countries then we adapt and we feed you know we basically uh, uh, um, you know fit right in there so you know we were talking earlier you've got five layers to the the whole uh, business here can you just kind of summarize those yes. for us yeah, so for mobility as a service, uh, which basically means, you know, bringing right-hailing fleets with these self-driving vehicles uh, to the market, um, we see that uh, divided into five business layers. So mobility as a service layer one is the self-driving system, yeah. the technology which is proven, which basically uh, replaces the human driver uh, and ensures uh, much safer driving in the future because about 94% of all accidents today are caused by humans. Fortunately. Yeah, we're, we're not that great, are we? We aren't great. And no. uh, we know we can actually do such a much better job. And because, you know, uh, basically these vehicles don't drink and drive. They don't text and drive. No. Uh, they don't, uh, you know, get distracted. They don't fall asleep. Uh, they don't take drugs. Uh, they react in milli or microseconds and don't need, you know, a second. So that's the whole self-driving system. Now, mass layer two is uh, the self-driving vehicle. And on the vehicle side, there are also things which are basically um, changing. We, we have redundancy, redundant braking, redundant steering, redundant power supply, and, and eventually we'll have also you know, vehicles which have higher durability, longer vehicle lifetime, and so on. Then layer three is what we call the fleet operations, you know, because these are fleets. So in each of the cities, you know, for example, like Vancouver, you will have you know, these service hubs where the vehicles you know, get cleaned, get washed, get vacuumed, uh, get charged. maintained, charged, yeah. parked, and so on. Um, and uh, then also the whole fleet management uh, and, and operations. And then layer four is what we call the, the mobility intelligence, meaning that's you know, where Uber or Lyft uh, play uh, today. Uh, that's their home field. And uh, you need you know, basically demand analysis, demand prediction, uh, and then the whole you know, apps in front of customers, basically, where you book and uh, you know, where the payment is being handled. And, uh, uh, also the route planning and so on. And layer five, the last one, is uh, basically the rider experience and um, services. You can imagine now people have time. Yes. You know, when they get from A to B, it's like being on a train or being on a plane today. Yeah. And you look at what, what's inside the vehicle now. Yeah, yeah. You know, look at like business class, for example, uh, on, on these planes, you know, with massive entertainment system and, you know, you can do shopping or gaming or, you know, entertainment or work, like yep. having an office in these cars. Yep. All of these things are now possible. You would need a steering wheel in the future. Exactly. So I have to ask, uh, you know, I've seen your roadmap and you're looking at robo taxis in the next couple of years in some, some places uh, and then fully autonomous vehicles for consumers in five years. Why don't you bring that technology to consumers now? Why is it the robo taxis yeah. first? That's actually also a very good question because initially the technology is just too expensive to put it in consumer cars. It would be too expensive for end consumers actually to, uh, you know, afford this option. Yes, um, that's number one. Number two, um, we will not have the HD maps and also the validation, everything finished, 
you know, across, let's say, all Canada, across yeah. all US. And, you know, if you sell something in an end consumer car, you know, you basically want at least like 80% or so. Of it's got to work everywhere. Exactly. Yeah. So, you, you know, mobility as a service and also like self-driving as a whole will be rolled out kind of by city, by city, by city, region by region. So that means you need geographically a certain uh, coverage uh, in order to, you know, let's say, be able to put it in a consumer vehicle. That's reason number two. Reason number three is regulation. Um, you know, it's much easier to get like the licenses and regulators approval uh, and so on to, you know, start, let's say, in one state, in one city or several cities and then expand from there. So all of these things we think, you know, will basically also be ready for consumer AVs or consumer vehicles, um, you know, until about 25. We're talking with uh, JJ. He's with Mobileye, an Intel company that's developing autonomous vehicle technology, uh, giving us basically the lowdown of how that is all going to roll out over the next uh, five years. Here in Vancouver, has been a big debate uh, over ride sharing. We still don't have it uh, in our city. Uh, the taxi lobby has been very strong. And uh, when we come back from the break, I want to talk about this. Will it even matter for the taxi drivers in five years? Because you know, if I was a taxi company or Uber, you want to get rid of one of the costs, and that's humans. What's going to happen to all those jobs? We're talking with JJ from Intel uh, and Mobileye, Mobileye. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here. We're in uh, Las Vegas talking to JJ from Mobileye, an Intel company that's making autonomous vehicle technology for robo-taxis, uh, ride-sharing companies, and uh, eventually for the consumer market uh, as well. It's uh, an interesting topic because we still don't have ride-sharing in Vancouver. One of the biggest uh, uh, kind of uh, car-sharing services that we had, which was very popular, and I think Vancouver is one of their best cities in North America, was Car2Go, and they've announced they're leaving the North American market. In the future, do you see car sharing still being like a, a big option for consumers or will robo taxis basically kind of take over that area yeah i think that's very clear basically uh you know if you have a car which comes to your door brings you to the next door and then takes care of itself uh where you don't have to search for parking which is about 30 percent of all traffic in all of these yes. cities search for parking uh you know car sharing just doesn't make sense uh so why should someone actually walk the car and then actually having to park it and then walk back to the door in the rain if you can just drive door to door with these self-driving vehicles. I'm going to ask a sensitive question because I know a lot of our listeners, uh, they are taxi drivers or families of, uh, you know, someone that drives a, a taxi. Um, in five years, we're going to see more and more of these robo-taxi fleets in cities around the world. Some might come sooner, some might come later, but I mean, they're definitely coming. It is going to fundamentally change the transportation system and with self-driving cars and robo taxis you're not going to need humans anymore are they fighting a futile fight like what's what's in store for all these these driving jobs yeah so i think there are two important topics to say number one uh, you know we have to do this we we need to save these lives i i just find it completely unacceptable that you have 1.35 million traffic deaths uh, you know, today and over five million uh, people, you know, would get which get injured in traffic. So millions. I think, yes. Yes. I think we just from that perspective, you know, if we have now an opportunity to save all these lives, we have to do that. Yes. So that's number one. Um, and I actually compare this a bit from going from horse-drawn carriages actually to cars. Yeah. That that's actually the kind of disruption we will see here and and the transformation. And that's coming now. And that's coming within the next three, four, five years. Yeah. So. 
that's very important. So now, I think similar to you know the industrial revolutions, which we saw, industrial revolution number one, number two, number three, number four, I think what we have seen and what we have been able to do as a society as a whole, you know, in each of these revolutions, you know, certain jobs were, were no longer needed, so you didn't need a boy uh, in an elevator. Yeah. You suddenly had these, you know, automatic elevators with these buttons inside to bring you to the right floor. Uh, and it was also needed from a safety perspective you, because you had double doors and so on. Um, so in a similar fashion, we just need to make sure that we do this socially in the right way. So there will be other jobs in the future. Um, a lot of jobs actually needed uh, to do like the fleet operations, as I said before, and uh, you know, of course, the whole you know development of these vehicles, production of these vehicles, um, and then of course on the soft engineering side, on the sensors development, on the sensors production. So I think we just need to make sure. I mean, at the end of the day, this is a transition which comes slowly. You know, basically city by city, city by city, and then also what we call the operational design domain. You know, we're not going to be available like in the whole city right, right away in the beginning. So basically we are starting with a smaller fleet and then enlarging the fleet, enlarging this operational design domain, covering more streets, covering more, you know, addresses uh, and, and point to points. And so I'm actually quite positive that we will be able uh, to include actually these businesses, maybe even like taxi companies today. Maybe they have instead of like 10 or 50 or 100, uh, you know, kind of human driven taxis they might have 10 or 50 or 100 self-driving uh, vehicles or self-driving taxis in their fleet and still take care you know, of these uh, vehicles, uh, clean them, maintain them, vacuum them, uh, charge them, park them, and so on. So I think we can do this in a socially acceptable way. Well, what would you say to taxi companies right now? Because the future is coming, like, like a steam train. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like in the next 5, 10 years, uh, it's going to fundamentally change their business. What can they do now to be part of that change and, 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 and thrive? So I think, first of all, um, if they actually can support us in like the fleet operations, this mobility as a service layer three, I explained before, that would be great. If they have like the service hubs, you know, to do like the, the, the cleaning and, and, and charging and parking and maintenance and, um, um, you know, uh, washing and so on. So I think that would be great. We would love to partner with these uh, you know businesses locally and I think that's just something which is very local and localized and uh, so there's an opportunity uh, a great opportunity and actually as you will see that more and more people will give up their second car and then eventually their first car maybe the only car in the family this will actually be a much much larger fleet so now maybe from you know going from a hundred taxis or so which a business like that has today maybe there will be a thousand you know to be served but will they be able to compete with some of the big players you know i'm thinking uber and lyft who are heavy into wanting autonomous vehicle technology these are multi-billion dollar companies going up against these smaller taxi companies yeah but look at these companies today i mean uber and lyft does not have the fleet operations part it's still the very local driver which has the car owns the car or leases the car which washes the car parks the car right they Uh, don't they don't own anything they don't actually do the fleet operations so this is something which actually still has to be done in the future and this is a great opportunity we're talking with JJ from Mobileye, all about autonomous uh, vehicle technology. This has uh, been fascinating. The robo-taxis are coming first. Uh, that's going to definitely happen in a number of cities in the next uh, few years. Uh, I guess the big thing, cost. 
you know, getting that technology into the vehicles, uh, and then just being able to control the overall experience uh, as well, and being able to regionalize it to the different areas. When we come back from uh, the break, we'll talk more about uh, when you can actually get your own autonomous car in the next few years. You're listening to Get Connected here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here uh, in studio. Just want to give a shout out to our contest as well. We are giving away an Amazon Echo Show 8 digital speaker. This has got uh, the Amazon Alexa voice assistant uh, and a digital touchscreen uh, as well. It is awesome. All you have to do to enter to win is visit our website, getconnectedmedia.com. Hit the uh, newsletter tab and subscribe to our newsletter. Once you've uh, subscribed, you're entered in to win all of the contests coming up over the next few years. And we're giving away thousands of dollars in prizes over the next year. We're talking about self-driving cars. Uh, I have a Tesla myself. And I love it. I love the auto steer capability. So I can see where this is uh, all going. Uh, from what we've been talking, uh, I'm not going to see really full autonomous uh, capabilities for about five years right now. Uh, we talked about the robo taxi fleet. That is going to come first because that can be more of a controlled situation in all these uh, different cities. Do you see in the future, and I don't even know how many years away this is, you know, you talked about, you know, the two car family. Uh, you know, I think. A lot of people have gone down to the one car. Do you think there will be in the next five to ten years where we'll not have cars? Maybe we'll just have a, a monthly subscription to a service? So I think this is, of course, a very individual decision, right? Um, and uh, there will be, uh, depending on you know where the people live, where they work, uh, what their commute is, uh, um, the possibility to actually replace their uh, at least second, maybe their only vehicle uh, in, in the family uh, with uh, you know, a self-driving vehicle, basically which brings them from A to B or A to B to C or A to A and uh, I actually think it's uh, uh, an important and kind of an interesting um, change in terms of not just safety uh, but also accessibility because if you think about, you know, in the last 130 years or so since the, the transition to uh, automobiles, you know, um, blind people cannot drive today. Uh, we have uh, children which can drive, elderly people which can drive, um, people in wheelchairs. Uh, it's very difficult and they actually have a, uh, you know, a very uh, expensive conversion if it's even possible, only possible in certain models. So for me, actually now being able with these self-driving electric vehicles to make mobility accessible, to make it affordable, uh, to make it actually clean, make the cities also clean and quiet because all of these vehicles will be EVs. Um, I actually think this is a massive opportunity and people will be able uh, to actually uh, uh, on the one hand, afford mobility uh, in a much, much easier way and they can just book the ride from A to B. They don't have to own these cars. I'm going to ask you another question using your crystal ball and what you think of the future. Do you think we're going to see car sales go down? Because if I can just get a, a robo-taxi to come and get me anytime I want and take me to where I need to go and it's ubiquitous, it's easy to get, it's fast, uh, and not everyone's going to need a car anymore, uh, do you think car sales will go down? And is this a concern with the manufacturers you're talking so to? That's actually a transition. So basically for the manufacturers, instead of selling to end consumers uh, through the dealerships today, you know, they will sell more and more of these cars to fleet owners like mobility as a service, robo-taxi fleet companies like us. 
so initially, if you look at you know these vehicles with let's say the same kind of durability or lifetime of about 250 to 300,000 kilometers, um, basically with the much higher uh, usage and you know utilization of these vehicles, uh, they will be replaced like every three years. So that means, um, you know, we have maybe only let's say if we transition the whole city, you know, from owned cars to these self-driving fleet uh, managed cars, um, you might only need one seventh of the population or of the number of cars today, but they get replaced basically uh, seven times faster. You know, because, oh, because they're uh, they're working exactly, all the time. Because yeah. you know today cars are sitting there th 23 hours a, a day. They're only used about 54 minutes a day on average. So that means instead of having a car, you know, for like 15 years, you replace it every two and a half to three years. So initially, I think the manufacturers will not actually feel a difference and the production capacity will be about the same. I think where, where, when you will see a change is actually when we'll get to a point where we have cars which can last a million miles or a million kilometers. Uh, you know, if that lifetime span, you know, can be expanded with higher durability brakes and latches and, uh, you know, suspensions and so on. Uh, but won't they just build the cars that way? Like knowing that they're going to be used so much? Yes, that, that can be done, but then the production rate can go down. Yes. You know, if you don't replace them every two and a half to three years, yeah. but you replace these cars, you know, only every five to, to ten years, uh, that would be then uh, a change. But I think, you know, all of that, uh, we'll see it in the future, we'll actually be part of that future and we'll drive this future. Is Intel or Mobileye Mobile thinking of getting into the, the business itself of owning their own vehicles, or are you just partnering with the manufacturers and and the different yeah. mobile services. Yeah, so what we call, you know, this mass layer two, uh, the self-driving vehicles, we, we partner with vehicle, with vehicle manufacturers. We have partnered with VW uh, for Israel. Uh, we have partnered with NIO for China and, and some other markets. Uh, and we are looking for more partners. And, uh, you know, we are not in the business of uh, manufacturing cars. That's others which can do that well. And they are actually happy to partner with us. Are there a lot of competitors in this space right now? Like you have some pretty big names behind you, like BMW and Audi, and you know there's some Chinese manufacturers uh, as well. Is it a competitive space? It is a very competitive space, but uh, we are up for the challenge, and we are, you know, the market leader in ADAS today, and we actually think we have uh, the most promising technology for the future. Talking with JJ from uh, Intel, uh, all about autonomous uh, vehicle uh, driving. Uh, I want to thank you for coming on the program today and explaining all of this. Uh, so I'm looking forward to getting some uh, robo taxis in Vancouver. <laughs> Hopefully sooner than later. Maybe you can talk to our, our government about uh, expediting that. But uh, good luck with it, uh, everything. Is there a place where people can go on the web to find about, uh, about uh, Mobileye a little bit yeah, more? Of course, yeah. www.mobileye.com and, uh, of course, www.intel.com. Thank you. When we come back from the break, uh, we got a little bit more tech to talk, and we'll tell you about uh, our contest uh, once again. You're listening to Get Connected here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. Well, we're back in studio here in Vancouver. That was an interesting uh, interview. Again, that was taped last week when we were down in Las Vegas at the Consumer Electronics Show. Uh, John, uh, it was interesting hearing from someone that's like, you know, neck deep in the technology and we know that self-driving cars are coming uh but you know i always wondered how it would affect like car sharing ride sharing taxi companies and it looks like there's going to be uh, a tremendous shakeup of it it's like the industrial revolution but the transportation re revolution happening well it's interesting because everyone thought that uber and lyft were going to be that major disruption for the services and now they almost seem secondary to what 
Mobileye and the RoboTaxi, you know, fleets that, that JJ was talking about. Um, I can't wait for our robo overlords to come. <laughs> um, you don't have to own a car, right? Well, no, and that's that's just it. I mean, it's one thing to have to own a car, but everything he said made so much sense about, you know, these companies are going to have to basically pivot and basically become uh, a maintenance yard for these robo taxis because they still need to be cleaned, they need to be serviced, they need to be charged, all that type of stuff. And someone's going to have to own those vehicles, whether it's so Uber and Lyft. About, yeah, talking about owning them. Like, So you've got these big companies like Uber and Lyft that have market caps of billions of dollars, and they would have the cash to buy these autonomous cars yeah. to turn them into robo taxis. But what about the taxi companies as we know them now? Are they going to be able to compete against these big multinational corporations that have billions of dollars? And I'm, I'm just going to say it. I don't think so. Well, it, the other interesting thing that we've seen over the last couple of years is uh, even the car companies themselves looking to get into that space. Why wouldn't they? They're making the cars. Right. Yeah. I mean, and even Elon Musk, one of his dreams with his whole Tesla company is that uh, Tesla owners could uh, basically be taxi owners. You know what I mean? Like yeah. once they have fully autonomous capability, you could basically let your Tesla go out and be a taxi for the evening if you wanted to make a few extra dollars. So I think we're going to see some really interesting business models. But what we know now, you know, the existing taxi companies and Uber and Lyft, you know, the ride sharing, it's like in five to 10 years, that's just going to be shaken all up anyway. Absolutely. Yeah. No, I... I it's really exciting time to think about this because I'm at the point now where I'm looking to perhaps replace my 10 year old vehicle and I almost don't want to, I'm going to try to let it ride as long as I can because this new future seems a lot closer than it was even before last week to me. Yeah. Because from what he is saying, robo taxis will be rolling out in cities in like the next two to three years and full self-driving cars will be available in the market in five years. Yeah. So again, um, you know, what we know as far as taxi companies and ride hailing right now, it's going to change. I, I also wonder too, if this process, as JJ described it, rolling out in say a key city, let's just pick some like, you know, touristy type destination where it would make sense, like say Orlando, Florida or yeah. something like that. Once a city proves that it can work, it's going to be a snowball effect, I think. Yes everybody's going to want to have that feature just like everybody wanted to have Uber and Lyft when it was available in other cities other than our own, you know, and we've been crying for it forever in Vancouver, but yeah, we'll get self-driving cars in the year 3000 when Vancouver <laughs> yeah. uh, city and the provincial government get around to it. And ICBC lets it happen. Yeah, exactly. That's all the time we have for the show. Don't forget to hit our website, getconnectedmedia.com. We're giving away an Echo Show 8 Amazon uh, Alexa device. This is a full touchscreen digital speaker. It is all kinds of awesome. Uh, I'm using one in my house, and I, I freaking love it. It is, does everything. I except, have a couple in mine. <laughs> yeah, except, you know, slice the carrots for dinner. Uh, go to our website, getconnectedmedia.com. Hit the newsletter subscription side or the tab there and uh, if you subscribe you're entered to win all of our contests uh, this year this is mike and john uh, logging off also want to thank the rest of the team graham stephen aj nigel paul thanks for helping put it all together see you again next time you've been listening to a 980 cknw podcast listen live at cknw.com the radio player canada app Tune in, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.